Welcome back to Flex Your Head, another special episode of Screen Therapy. On Flex Your Head, we take a breather from punk rock and mental health and explore classic punk albums, which I guess is good for mental health. Returning for this episode is my good friend Drew, and his Zoom handle is Drew Fucking Kringle. How are you doing? <laughs> good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. So, yeah, what album are we talking about today? We are talking about Sitter Kinney's Call the Doctor. So Call the Doctor is Slater. Slater. Here we go. We just debated this. Is it Slater Kenny or Slater Kenny? We both agreed it's Slater Kenny. So let's just go with that. We're going to go with that. Call the Doctor is Slater Kenny's second studio album and released March 25th, 1996. It was on Chainsaw Records out of Olympia. And of course, later they became a Kill Rock Stars band. On this album, the band is Corin Tucker, vocals and guitar, Kerry Brownstein, guitar and vocals, and Laura McFarlane on drums. So, Drew, wow, where do we start with this? But what are your opening thoughts on Call the Doctor? There's so much raw emotion in this album. It's like a massive jump from their debut album. You really start to see Corin Tucker's voice come out on this one, with just hints of Carrie's vocals starting to appear as well. But yeah, just a massive leap forward. With all three of them, uh, Lori really becomes a more solid drummer on this album, too. Unfortunately, it was her last with the band. I think she left quite soon after the release of this. So the first album being these folks getting together, I believe they found Laura in Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and did some recording over there for the first album as well. Corin was in the amazing Heavens to Betsy, which is still one of my favorite punk bands of all time. Nice. And Carrie was playing in XU17, and they're great olympia punk band mm-hmm. and then they got together formed slater kinney and the first album was very much a continuation of those two bands that they were in but this second album called the doctor is like you said they're just gelling they're developing and wow all the great elements of heavens to betsy and excuse 17 in one band plus that extra something i think this might be the first album that introduced me to slater kinney there's some absolute bangers. You really get to see what's coming ahead for Slater Kinney. Yeah, and I'm wondering how much John Goodmanson in the studio was bringing their sound to the new level. The first album was really great, and I love lo-fi and, and albums that sound like they recorded in a garage. <laughs> but Call the Doctor was recorded in Jack and Dino's studio. The most famous thing about that studio is that that's where Bleach was recorded by Nirvana. Yeah. That's where John Goodmanson recorded this album. And, you know, of course, he was responsible for recording other bands such as Unwound and Bikini Kill. But really what this was is these people just completely blowing their previous material out of the water in the way they were playing and the way they were singing and harmonizing and playing off each other. The earlier material they did was super amazing but this was becoming more like a cohesive band that you could see having this long career which they did Mm -hmm. 
that's what I see in this album now. At the time, it was just such a thump in the chest. I mean, wow, you know, mm. so many amazing emotions and elements to this music that I never will ever forget. Every note, every melody, every word, every guitar line, every drum, like it's just so ingrained. And I say that all the time on this podcast, it's ingrained. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the songs. There's 12 songs on the record. It's 30 minutes in length, so it is quite short. Anything that really jumps out? I mean, the title track, that's the obvious one. Yeah. Slitterkinney tend to be a really good opener. They have really solid songs right off the get-go. I did find that it dries out a little bit towards the end of the album. But I mean, Heart Attack is, is a gut-wrencher of a song to close out the album. With Laura on guitar and Korn on drums for that one. Yeah, exactly. Little Mouth, I think, has always been my favorite off of this album. She says, damn you twice. Just even giving me chills just thinking about it. Because you know what's coming. that wire the fall those british punk bands that have that really choppy syncopated almost playful sense in some ways Mm -hmm. something that we didn't really see on the earlier material as much yeah i would guess that those the songs that you're talking about the staccato type songs um are probably the newer songs on this recording because they do do it a lot more moving forward yeah i don't think that with all respect to Laura, I don't think that she could have been that drummer for them. Moving forward, you mean? But yeah, moving forward. So bringing in Janet Weiss, who's that, just that solid thumper of a drummer for the next next albums, really allowed them to like explore that idea a lot more. Yeah, there's a pace to this album that just really moves. I think I don't really want to let go of the Heavens to Betsy style. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, I always wish that that band put out another album and they, they had the seven inch in the in the full length. Mm-hmm. And so there are some songs in the first record that carry on with that style, which I love. On this mm-hmm. album called The Doctor, there's Anonymous and I'm Not Waiting. Both have that Heavens to Betsy style as far as Corin getting more into the screaming and the roughness in, in her voice and yeah. coming back with the wailing. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to have those songs. I think they kind of left that behind after this album, which I was in some ways, you know, bummed, but in other ways they had to go into their own style. But yeah, those two songs, Anonymous and I'm Not Waiting, I'll listen to those songs over and over as well as the title track. Yeah. I like when we have these discussions because you and I always have like, as much as our our, music taste is like really similar, kind of like in the Unwound album, you're a much earlier Unwound fan and uh, I'm a, a later period Unwound fan. I'm the same sort of way. I love Heavens of Betsy, but I love the sort of late period Slitherkinney where their dynamics get more structured. Let's put a pause on that because the last two albums they put out are pretty <laughs> very hard yeah. very hard to get into. <laughs> yeah, I, as I was saying that, I was like, yeah. there's When you say late era, you mean stopping at the hot rock or like right, right around there. 
I know cities to love. I know cities to love. I think that's where things fall off the the rails for me after that one. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, we're talking about (laughs) Call the Doctor tonight. So let's get into a bit of music nerd stuff for the songs, because I know that you're more on that tip than I am. The guitar setup. I know that Carrie plays uh, Rickenbacker. Yep. Are they detuned? What's going on with the guitars? So I think they both play in, in drop tuning. And that gives them that little fatness. Mm-hmm. Carrie's more the shredder. She's often the one that you hear up high playing the sort of talking guitar parts. Whereas Corin, Corin uses a an octave pedal and uh, is playing more of the bass lines. So the, the more of the rhythms in the songs. They do switch every once in a while and they'll, Carrie will take over the bass duty parts. But yeah, so there's always one person who's playing a more bass line to their uh, guitar parts. It's a matter of just noodling back and forth. And, that, and noodling is a technical guitar term. <laughs> but yeah, basically they're just soloing. One's bass soloing, one's guitar soloing for the most part. So here's something that blew my mind when I read about it. So the way John Goodmanson mixed the record is that one guitar is in one channel and one guitar is on the other channel, so right and left. So mm-hmm. if you listen to it and you listen to guitars in either ear, if you focus, you can hear all the stuff that Corin's doing on this side, and you focus over here, you can hear all the stuff Carrie's doing, and it's wild, some of the, the things that they're doing with the guitar lines and, like you said, bass lines on the guitar. So, yeah, yeah next time you listen to it, <laughs> check that out. It's kind of, like, changed the whole album for me. Because <laughs> I landscape, so I always have to have one ear opened so that I can hear customers coming up to me or whatever. Uh, so I had to keep on switching my earbuds out to like hear different guitar parts over this week. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to listen to Carrie now on my right ear. I'll go back to the to the beginning. It's not, I'm going to listen to Corn in my left ear now for the album. So, And there's that conversation in the in the vocals as well where they're singing around each other and between each other and creating these call and response. is laid over each other hidden messages in there too you got to listen like in call the doctor there's those hidden words that are in there yeah they would write opposing lyrics without each other and then they would both sing them and yeah there's absolutely two sets of lyrics have the like a similar idea of what's going on but they're just two different stories it's like being in a party and and hearing multiple <laughs> conversations and I've got a really good passage from Carrie's book that I'll read later that'll explain a lot of these things from her in a way that is a lot more comprehensive and maybe understandable than what we're doing right now. <laughs> you know, we can't compete with someone in the band as far as explaining their music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a little jump ahead to Little Mouth's lyrics at the beginning. We talked about that and how yeah. impactful it is at the beginning with the damn you. One of the lyrics that really stood out for me was from I'm Not Waiting and I really love these haunting Slater Kinney songs Put your 
gives me shivers. This is so creepy. And obviously there's a message that we can all have our interpretation of, but that's one of the, the lyrics that I think really stand out for me on the album. How about for you? Well, the one note that I was going to say is um, on lyrics, and it's kind of a bit of a, yeah, we'll call it a funny story. On I Want to Be Your Joey Ramon, they've actually changed the, the lyrics live, and they've taken Thurston Moore out of out of the lyrics. <laughs> they don't want to give him any more attention than he already has? Yeah, they now say Kim Gordon. Oh, nice. Instead of uh, Thurston Moore. Being that Carrie is like really good friends with Kim Gordon, and I think when uh Kim and Thurston broke up. She definitely came to uh, Kim's side on, and in support and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. but I did notice that on a live recording from Paris. A lot of folks thought that it was a parody on wanting to be big and wanting to be a star. And I don't really see it that way. In my mind, it was always an indictment of rock and roll stardom or these men that become these idols and we idolize them and we look at their posters and but are they really the ones we should be celebrating that's how i always felt the song was about yeah the image that i got from their lyrics it's a little bit like like a diary you're looking at a a young lady's diary and uh wanting to break out of out of a sort of small town and you're looking at these posters as like a, a way of freedom that was the way I always interpreted or visualized. There's an undertone there that you start out like that. Maybe, you know, in my case, it was pictures of Lars Ulrich and Metallica or James Hetfield Metallica on my wall. Yeah. But what I <laughs> what I was really trying to get to was discovering underground thrash bands and discovering crossover hardcore and discovering... I eventually got to Minor Threat through idolizing these big rock stars, and it's a completely different world. And I think maybe that's my interpretation yeah. is that, you know, it started out I'm the king of rock and roll and all these kinds of things. And then Mm -hmm. finding a scene like an Olympia where there is so many amazing bands that weren't anything about that. I don't know. That's my interpretation. Yeah. We we all have our interpretations of songs. That's the wonderful thing about them. (laughs) Or even like the sort of romantic idea of worship your Joey Ramone poster, but I want to be the person that you, your affections for. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm over here sort of. There is a quote from Rock and Roll Globe, which sounds very punk rock. (laughs) Someone named Ian King, which I really liked what this person said about the lyrics on the album. Quote, lyrically, the album in large part switches between three frameworks, the personal, the interpersonal, and the sociopolitical personal. But they don't stay separated, not song by song, not even line by line. That's pretty cool. I think Ian King of Rock and Roll Globe nailed that one. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah going through some of the reviews and write-ups on on this album i just kind of came across a lot of the big ones and this album really got written off as like just another riot girl album like it received a lot of praise but they really 
tended to focus on stuff like I'm not waiting and not really get into the actual like songwriting and, and yeah, it was weird. It was, but I mean, music industry. <laughs> I've got this pretty long passage, which I'll try to burn through from Carrie in her memoir, Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl, which is an amazing memoir. Check it out. So mm-hmm. I think she basically encapsulates the whole album here. So she says, quote, on the title track of Call the Doctor, Corin and I each sang a melody on the chorus. She was louder than me, so her vocal was the lead by default, but we never really considered one a background part to the other. It was a conversation we were having. She had her perspective and I had mine, or I was emphasizing her point, retelling it even as I was singing along with her. And our guitars did the same thing, augmenting and counteracting each other. We would get to the chorus and intuitively you'd think this is the time for all of us to sing together, that there should be a cohesion, but instead we would split apart. It was almost an anti-chorus. We weren't trying to form a solidarity with anyone but ourselves. Could you sing along with Sleaterkinney? Sometimes. But we'd just as likely shout over you. And good luck trying to sing along to Corin. Trust me, I know. It's nearly impossible. As a listener, you have to decide what to follow in the song, which vocal, which guitar. And at the very end of that long passage, she says... Yet the result was forceful. It sounded like a tightly bound entity, fragments clinging to each other for dear life. If you pulled one thing apart, it wouldn't even sound like a real song. It was a junkyard come to life. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, that book is fantastic. I'm not a a fast reader by any stretch of imagination, but uh, I blew through that book. She's able to tell a story, and it was really interesting hearing the ebbs and flows of that band and everything that they had to go through. One of the things that struck me about listening to this is, again, like I said before, I've listened to it so much that I could basically play it by memory in my head. But it doesn't get boring or old or one-dimensional. I listened to it a lot over the last couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Always such a fun, exciting time to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to that record again for the podcast. So (laughs) I think it's actually out of all the albums that we've done on this podcast, it's definitely top three. It's the album that I have such fine memories for and is so good there's nothing that i could say negatively about it out of the canon where would you rank call the doctor for sleater kinney oh i think it's my favorite sleater kinney album yeah yeah nice by far yeah they're all good let's get into this (laughs) yeah yeah they're all good dig me out it's probably up there as well the first one Mm -hmm. i like a lot i got into the later stuff hard a few years ago so everything up until no cities to love and then like we said it dropped off but the Hot Rock is amazing. You know, yeah. All Hands on the Bad One is amazing. There's no bad Sleater Kinney albums until... Yeah, the St. Vincent produced one. It's fun, but to me it's not Sleater Kinney. Should have changed the name to, like, I don't know, uh, Omnicron Robot or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. I, I don't think that name would have aged well. <laughs> Doesn't quite match the sound. <laughs> <laughs> but foreshadowing. Yeah, I have a hard time. I go between this one, Dig Me Out, and One Beat. I listened to, I can't remember which podcast it was, but the two people on, on it listed their albums. And I was like, yeah, I wonder what Jason's favorite Sleater Kinney album is. And it's it's interesting to know that it, this is the one. This is the one. Call the Doctor, by far. Uh, and it's not just a nostalgic, memory-connected thing. It's just, I like it just as much as I did then, if not more. Once I discovered the whole... One guitar line in one ear, <laughs> yeah, added an extra level to it.
So I think it's about time to do YouTube comments, our favorite sure. uh, part yeah. of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this one is from Star Waves, and it was eight years ago. It's not Carrie from Portlandia. It's Carrie from Sleater-Kinney and then Portlandia. She's also one of the greatest guitarists ever. Get your history straight. A fan since 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty common opinion amongst Sleater-Kinney fans. Yeah. This one's from Ethan Straffen, six years ago. Haiku for one of the greatest Sleater-Kinney songs ever, called The Doctor. We will fuck around, explode at 1 minute 34, then fuck around some more. and the one minute 34 is the screamy part of course at near the end of the song yeah nice (laughs) one more here from youtube this one's from synthrotech which actually that could be the name of slater kenny in the last two albums synthrotech (laughs) totally and then although maybe not after you hear the comment nine (laughs) years ago sounds like a chicken being strangled oh jesus (laughs) all right Uh, and then on Google, I typed in Sleater Kinney, and on Google, you know, it has those questions that come up. Yeah. Uh, the fan source questions. The first one that came up is, is Sleater Kinney a real band? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so what do you think? What are your final thoughts on this album? There's no bad song on this album. It has a little of, like, the past in, in, the, in the album, and then, like we've said, and it, along with the future, I remember trying to learn good things for a band I was in really early on. It's so simple, but just like so emotional. That's just a heart-wrenching song. I think I've said this on on basically every album I've done, but go out and listen to this album. It's goddamn fantastic. I think I've said enough. Flex Your Head has other episodes that are available at the Scream Therapy website we've done. 14 now, I believe, and everything from No Means No to Minor Threat to even White Long we did recently, a newer band. Nice. So check that out. And also Scream Therapy, the main podcast, we have 50 plus episodes of that talking about punk rock and mental health. It's a important, but also I think educational podcast, and it's not too heavy all the time. There's some, some lightness to it, which I think we all need. Absolutely. Just started a Tee Public store. Tee Public is a place where you can buy t-shirt designs from probably a million different people. So we have a Flex Your Head design on there, as well as some fun straight edge ones. And there's also some mental health ones and Scream Therapy ones as well. So if you go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com, there's a bunch of links there you can click on and it'll head to Tee Public. I give you the Tee Public URL, but it's too confusing. <laughs> so yeah, go to ScreamTherapyHQ.com and you'll see some links there to go and buy some merch and help support these podcasts that we do because uh, it's not like we're doing this for uh, anything other than the love of classic punk albums. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew, well, thanks so much for doing this again. It's always a good time to hang out and talk about albums and we'll start racking our brains about the next one. Yeah, absolutely. I you always pick really good uh, records for me to like dive into. So I'm stoked to hear what your suggestion is next time because I would love to come back.
Put your hands.